In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today we read about um, some of the conversations that St. John the Baptist had with the people and speaking about how we have to have faith to believe in the testimony that is true, that is coming on the mouth of Jesus Christ and who he is. And for this reason, we are baptized. Um, he's speaking about this in the context of he being the forerunner. And we come and we be baptized because of the faith that we have. And we read in verse 36, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And this tells us the importance of faith, that we would believe in God, and that through our faith in Him we have our salvation. It is not because of our good works, it is not because that we are decent and upright people necessarily, it is because that we believe in the Son of God, and through Him we have everlasting life. And he says, but the wrath of God abides on those who do not believe in the Son. So having faith in God, having faith in His divinity, having faith in, in the Christ being the Son of God is essential to our faith. But in general, when we speak about faith, we live in a time where faith in God is seen as foolish, where if people pronounce that they have faith, where they say that I believe in God, especially in academic circles or in professional circles, when people are expected to have advanced degrees or to have to be very highly educated. When we come and we say that we believe in God, we're almost ridiculed or mocked. How is it that you can believe in a God that you've never seen? If everything else that we believe in is because of some kind of hard evidence, it's because of some kind of proof, some kind of scientific data that can be measured and remeasured and uh, can be... Uh, you know, verified by other people. And yet when we come to God, we really don't have this kind of an evidence that the people are asking for, for us to give. And Christ says that we believe on him in faith. Now, certainly there is evidence, but it is not the kind of evidence perhaps that the people are looking for. So I want to speak about faith and what it means to have faith in God and what I call the faith cycle, the way that God helps to develop faith in us throughout our life and, and how, what is it that we should expect from him. In Hebrews 11:6, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Meaning that we, we perceive him and we see God through the eyes of faith. If somebody says that I want to believe in God, but I'm going to wait until God completely answers all my questions and completely reveals everything to me, then that person might be waiting their entire life, and they will never see the, the outcome of what it is they're looking for. Because God is not going to come and do things according to our own terms. But he tells us his own terms. He says, come to me in faith and see what it is that I am going to do. If we come into God and we say, okay, I want to believe. I want you to strengthen my faith. I want to experience you more. I want to seek you. He says, what? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if we seek God sincerely, then God will reveal himself to us. And faith, what? It is impossible to please God without faith because our, 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 our religion, our, our life necessitates that we have to have faith to believe in a supernatural divine God that is greater than us. How exactly is he going to fully reveal himself to us when he is beyond our senses? You know, we, we are blessed because God came near to us and he became incarnate so that we might be able to see him and interact with him using our senses. But even this, the people rejected him. They, they, they didn't believe him. They said, who is this man? How is it that this man can be God? 
So when God is in heaven, we struggle to believe in him. And when God becomes a man, we're almost offended and we say, how is it that God can become man? So in every way, God is, is trying to reach us, but we need to be seeking him and asking God to strengthen our faith so that we might believe. So what is this faith cycle? How is it that God develops our faith in various situations, not just about faith in believing him as who he is or that he exists, but how is it that we have faith in general? How does God build our faith? This faith cycle is made up of five parts. Okay, The first part of this faith cycle is that we have a problem. There's something in our life that we want to be resolved. We want, we have, a, we need a solution to something that is troubling us. Okay, this is the first step. The next step is that we make an act of faith. Okay, that we have to believe that God can resolve, God can fix, God can do something about this problem that I have. And in 1 Corinthians 2:5, we read that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our faith is based on God. Our faith is based on who God is, not all of the wisdom of men. Meaning, there might be a lot of things in the world that I can do to help me resolve my problem. There might be people I can go to to help me to resolve the problem. But what is it when we really have faith? Faith is not based on man. Faith is not based on other things that are around me that I can use as tools to fix the problem that I have. Faith is based completely on God. Now, God might use those tools. God might bring me a solution through these other things. But who is the one who is working? It is God himself. It is not me putting my trust in other people. It's not me putting my trust in other things. It's me only putting my trust in God and leaving it up to him. How does he choose to solve my problem for me? So I make an act of faith. I believe that God can resolve God can fix, God can fill me, God can change me, God can change another person, God can do something that I need. The third step in the faith cycle is that we would receive a spiritual blessing. In 2 Kings chapter 6, it says, So he answered, Do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. This is Elijah speaking to Elisha. When Elisha, when Elisha is concerned about all of these spiritual enemies that are around him, Elijah is comforting him. He says, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and, and said, I'm sorry, this is Elisha and his servant. He's, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when they were hemmed in and they were, there was enemies that were coming to attack them, and uh, Elisha's servant was concerned and worried, saying, we're going to be killed. The people are going to come and they're going to kill us. But Elisha, who was a man of faith, he believed that God was, that God was sending them help. And as he said what? He prayed to God. And for the first time, the servant saw what Elisha had been seeing all along, was that there was this army of these spiritual warriors that were there fighting with them. And it wasn't them who are fighting on their own. So they received the spiritual blessing. They, had a, they saw a spiritual vision. They saw something that comforted them. They saw something that, that drew them closer to God. They saw something that confirmed that the faith that they had was not in vain. And so also when we have an act of faith, maybe the first thing that happens to us when we have faith in God is not that our problem is resolved, but is that we grow closer to God. It's that God gives us some kind of consolation some kind of comfort, some kind of patience, something that, that is internal to us that allows us to keep going. Because actually, 
this is the main blessing that we receive from God. You know, these problems that we have in the world, oftentimes, even when they're very severe and very painful, they will have an end. They will have an end. One way or the other, they will end. Okay, even if it ends at the end of my life, but it's going to end. But the blessing that I receive from God, whenever we draw to Him and we ever have these problems, this is something that is, that is a, even a bigger blessing, that we are experiencing God, that we are seeing God, that we're seeing God work maybe in a way through my problems that I would never have seen had the problems not come. So that's the third part of the faith cycle. The fourth part is a physical blessing. Okay, Now this physical blessing might be given in different ways. For instance, maybe it is the solution. Maybe whatever it is that I'm asking God to do, maybe He does it. Maybe it's done in a different way than I expected. Or maybe it's done much later on than I wanted. We don't know what is that, what is kind of physical blessing God is going to give. We don't know if God is going to solve the problem or in what way He's going to solve it. Okay, But, but this is the fourth part. And then the fifth part is the long-term impact. What is the long-term impact that I have based on the, this problem that I had and the faith that I had in God. It deepens our faith, or deepens our faith in God. When we see that God hears and God answers and God works and God is present, when this young man with Elisha saw these spiritual hosts that were there fighting for them, he was no longer afraid because he really experienced the presence of God with them all the time. Okay, So it deepens our faith and it changes who we are. How is it that we see some people who are very, very faithful in God. Why is it that they have such faith? And you can see like maybe everything around them is, is falling apart. And those of us maybe who have less faith begin to panic and to stress out. And these people are steadfast. These people are not worried or concerned. And they draw upon this experience that they've had with God in the past, that the words of Scripture are not just words that we read and try to memorize, but they're words that we live and that God really does work. Because of the faith they've had throughout their life, God has rewarded them with a the knowledge of Himself. And this affects people around us. This is part of the longer-term impact. When, when I have faith, I encourage other people around me to have the same faith and to have joy and hope. And it makes us feel less stressed and anxious and prepares us for the future. Whenever we see that we've had a, an encounter with God, that God has responded to our faith. So these are like the five steps that I like to call this faith cycle. The first is we have a problem. Two, we respond with some act of faith. Three, God gives us a spiritual blessing. Four, God can give us a physical blessing or solution to the problem. And five, this has a long-term impact on who I am as a Christian, who I am as, as, as a believer, that I, my faith is confirmed and I believe in God more strongly and even more than I did before as a result of this issue, this trial, this tribulation that God has sent into my life. So briefly, I want to talk about two examples from the scripture where we kind of see this faith cycle play out, like case studies. We can kind of understand how, how this works. The first one is the problem of the paralytic man whose four friends were bringing him to Christ. This man was paralyzed. He was in a house and the house was very crowded and Christ was in the house. And so these four friends of this paralytic man wanted to bring the man into the house to see Christ, but they couldn't come in because the house was so crowded. So they decided they were going to climb up on the rooftop of the house and make a hole and bring Christ down through the roof, or sorry, bring the man down through the roof so that he could meet Christ and Christ could heal him. Okay, so what is the faith cycle? How, would we, how was the faith cycle manifested in this situation? The first is, there was a problem. Okay, in Mark 2, chapter 2, 
Okay, the man was paralyzed and it says immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. These men who had faith, you know, they believed that Christ could heal this man, but when they went, they, 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 they experienced a very real and practical problem. There simply was not space. There simply was not a place for us to go. Maybe we believed, maybe we believed that Jesus Christ could heal the man, but we can't enter, we can't see him because it is too crowded. But the faith that they had kind of went beyond this. Okay, the faith that they had was not just that we believe that Christ could heal him, but we are so certain that Christ will heal him, that we are going to do what would appear to be foolish to everyone, that we're going to climb on top of the roof and bring somebody down. If you can imagine right now that the church was full, maybe let's say Pope Tawadros was here, and the church was completely packed and there was no place to park and there was no place to do anything, that someone literally would go up on the roof and make a hole and come through the ceiling, we would probably kick him out, actually. <laughs> but that is not what they did. Okay, that is not what they did. Okay, when, when, when Christ saw this man and he saw the faith of the people and how this man was in need, okay, what is it that, what is it that Christ responded with? He responded to actually heal him. So we read about their act of faith in Mark chapter 2. It says, Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Okay, this is their act, their act of faith. Okay, so what spiritual blessing then did they receive, this man? What did he receive? Well, the first thing that Christ did when he saw the faith of his friends, he says to him in verse 5, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Sons, your sin, Son, your sins are forgiven you. This was the first thing. He said, I forgive your sin. I forgive your sin. The man wasn't there to forgive sin. I mean, he, that's not what he was. That's not what he was in in his mind. That's not what was in the mind of the people that were bringing him. His four friends. They just wanted him to walk, right? And this is what's in our mind too. When we're asking God for something, when we're asking God to solve a problem that we have, we're not really thinking about the spiritual side of it. We're not really thinking, oh, I want God to bless me with, you know some spiritual thing. I want God to forgive my sins. No, we're thinking I want a solution to this problem that's very bad and very painful and, and I can't take it anymore and I want an end to this. But what is it that is in the mind of God? The first thing that God did was not to allow him to walk. The first thing that God did was to forgive his sins. As sins that are invisible. Sins that maybe the man you know, didn't wasn't even aware of. Over his four friends were not aware of. And certainly the rest of the people in the house were not aware of. And certainly forgiving sins because it's invisible isn't necessarily so grandiose. Isn't something that people are gonna look in ooh and ah about because he said, Okay, I forgive your sins. Yeah, you know, they, they didn't they didn't believe many of the people there didn't believe that Christ could forgive sins. But in the end if someone comes and says, Well your sins are forgiven, well yes, but my problems are the same. Nothing has changed. So sometimes we, we take lightly the spiritual blessing. We take lightly what it is that God is doing in our life as a result of the problems that He allows us to experience. We think only about the problem. We think only, I want the problem to end. But there is a reason why God sent this. There's a reason why God allowed this. If God wanted the problem to end, it would end. If God wanted it to end immediately. If God never wanted the problem to begin, it would never have begun. There is a reason why God allowed it for us, and it is because of this spiritual blessing. This spiritual blessing is the greatest part of the trial. 
The spiritual blessing is what allows us to grow as believers, is what allows us to grow as Christians. It was, it's what allows us to deepen our faith. The only reason that any of us has some kind of real faith in God is because of trials. It is not just from reading. Reading is what supports us in trials. Reading is what, is what connects us to the truth so that when we are in a trial, we can respond in the right way. But if we never experienced any kind of trial, then our faith would never be tested and we would really not be able to know whether we had faith at all. So we grow in times of trial. And this is what happened here with this man, that he grew and he received this spiritual blessing, the forgiveness of his sins, the experience of Christ, and to see Christ in the house there with him speaking to him. This is a memory that he would never forget, that would have changed his entire life. And so this spiritual blessing is extremely important. Then what is the fourth step in the faith cycle? It's the, it's the physical blessing. In verses 10 through 12, it says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all. So, so in the end, God healed the man. He gave him this physical blessing. He gave him what it is that the man was looking for all along, but he didn't do it until he received the spiritual blessing. And sometimes even in our old trials, we have to ask ourselves, what is God waiting for? Maybe God is waiting to fix my problem until I learn some kind of lesson. Maybe God is waiting for me to have peace. Maybe God is waiting for me. Sometimes when, when we have trials and we become even upset at God, that God waits for me to kind of calm down to come back to him to start talking to him again to almost forgive god if you could say it that way to, to say okay god i accept that this is what it is that you have done how is it that i continue living how is it that i can continue walking as a christian and as a believer in this life even though you allowed this very painful difficult situation to happen to me and when we reach that point of being at peace with god and we, we, we receive a spiritual blessing from him and a kind of a peace and a consolation, maybe now we are at the point where actually something physical can happen. Maybe now we're at the point where God can work and do something because we've understood the lesson that God wanted us to learn. And then finally, there's the long-term impact. In verse 12, it says, So that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Actually, this suffering and this pain of this man and, and this whole experience with him ended up causing the entire house of people to be amazed and glorified God because of him and because of the four friends that brought him in their faith. And they said, we never saw anything like this. So there, this is a very powerful long-term impact. His life was changed. The four friends' lives were changed. Everyone that was there, their lives were changed. They glorified God. They, they acknowledged that this is something beyond their understanding. So, so this faith cycle maybe starts out very personally, just about me and myself and the problems, but ends up becoming a blessing for all those who are around me. So anyone who really has faith, whenever we have faith, we become a blessing to everyone around us because they see our faith and they glorify God through us. The second case study, the final one that I want to speak about is the calling of the disciples. Whenever Christ called the disciples, uh, at, uh, at, the, at the sea when they were fishing. Okay, So again, we're going to go through the five steps of the faith cycle. The first one is there's a problem. Okay, In Luke 5, verse 5, it says, But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. 
Christ is telling the disciples and telling St. Peter, go out, okay, and, and fish. Even though they have been fishing all night and they didn't catch anything and they're exhausted and tired and they want to go home and now it's morning and they've been working all night and Christ is now telling them, go and fish and catch, you know, and you will catch fish, okay? This is the problem that they had, okay? They were fishermen. Fishing is their livelihood. They had no idea and no clue who this was and what was about to happen to them or anything. They were completely f focusing on the most physical thing, which is their bellies and their money. Okay, this is our living. We need to eat, we need to have a, make a living, and, and this is maybe what we do each and every day of our lives. That all we're thinking about is how can I make a living today? Okay, very much caught up in the details of life at this point. Okay, nothing, there's nothing here in their mind that's extremely spiritual. There's nothing here at all other than this is my work and I have to do it. So, when Christ told them to go out and to uh, fish, it says what? They had an act of faith. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, when you, when you think of, okay, a fisherman who is an experienced fisherman, they know what they're talking about. Like, they know what's, what to do. They know what's going to work and they know what doesn't work. And you can't go to someone who's an experienced fisherman when you have no experience with fishing at all and tell them what to do and they're going to listen to you because you have no idea what you're talking about. You know, you've never done this before and I'm exhausted. And how are you coming to tell me to do this based on what? And yet, they, they believed. They believed that, that, that Christ knew something. They believed, okay, at your word, I will let down the net. At your word, I'm going to go back again after working for hours and hours during the night and being exhausted that I'm going to go back out again and do what it is that you said, even though what it is you said makes no sense to me. Even though conventional wisdom says that whatever you're telling me to do is nonsense. It just doesn't make any sense. And again, sometimes Christ comes to us, maybe not when we're fishing, but he comes to us in whatever situations we're in and he tells us something that sounds like nonsense. You know, for instance, sometimes when, when people are having marital problems, okay, and they fight all the time and they have conflicts and, and the marriage is uh, crumbling, okay? And you go to them and you say, you guys need to pray together. Well, what is praying together? What is that going to do? You know, that doesn't do anything. Tell us, like, tell us something concrete. Tell us something practical. Tell us something we can do that we can, like, have control over something. Do something. Praying together, what does that accomplish? Sometimes we imagine that praying about anything is like a waste of time. We, we like it when someone tells us like steps, one, two, three, four, and then you're going to get what you want. We like to feel like we're in control. We like to feel that I have a handle on what it is that I'm controlling my life and changing what it is, you know, my future. I'm defining my future for myself. Where in prayer, we're essentially surrendering the control of whatever it is that, that we're wanting to do to someone else. And we're coming to this person and we're saying, please, I believe in you. I want you to change something. I want you to do something. I want you to help me in my marriage. I want you to allow me in my marriage to have peace. You know, change something that's intangible. Change something that's beyond one, two, three, four, five, you know, steps. Okay? Change something. And this is what, uh, this is what Christ told Peter here. He told him, go and do something that makes no sense to you, but just believe. Just believe an act of faith believe that this is going to get you something good and God wants us to believe that when he tells us something that doesn't make any sense to us that simply because it is coming out of his mouth that that it is good 
simply because it's coming out of his mouth, then we should follow it and obey it, even though we have no understanding, even though it sounds like nonsense to us, even though we have no idea what's going to come out of it, and we don't expect anything to come out of it, then we're going to do it simply because he said. This is the act of faith. So the next thing that happened then is what? The spiritual blessing. Right? The spiritual blessing actually came before the physical blessing. When they went and they fished and they caught a huge amount of fish more than they could carry, and the nets were breaking and they came back to the shore, what's the first thing that, that Simon Peter said to Christ? It says in verse 8, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. His, his sense of contrition, his sense of humility, his sense of confession, that he came and he offered himself completely, and he acknowledged who this man is and who I am. This is a very big spiritual blessing that we receive from God. Simply to know who God is and who I am relative to him, this is one of the greatest spiritual blessings that there is. Because when I acknowledge myself as who I really am, who I truly am, relative to who truly God is, then everything in my life can change. Because I acknowledge my, my smallness, I acknowledge my weakness, I acknowledge my inadequacy. And in that moment of feeling inadequate, now my doors are completely open to receive from God whatever it is that He wants to give me because I'm humbled. And I realize myself, and I realize my mistakes, and I realize everything. At that point, like all the doors are open for me to grow deeper in my faith and to become the person that God wants me to be. And this moment, this moment of realization for St. Peter, this is what allowed him to then become an apostle. It wasn't just because he got a bunch of fish. Actually, you know, we ask God all the time to bless our businesses, to bless our jobs. We want to get promotions. We want to get more money. We want to get all kinds of stuff. And if God were to respond and say, okay, I'm going to give you a promotion, I'm going to give you money, and I'm going to give you this, and then we say, okay, I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to become a monk. No, that's not what happens. We say, thank you, God. Give me some more. You know, we're, 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 we, we thank God for giving us because we're asking God to give us and to bless us. And, and when we receive from God, our first instinct is not to leave it behind. But what is it that St. Peter did? He left all that fish, all that fish that, that they received on that day, the miraculous catch of fish that maybe would have led him to live for weeks or months because it was so big. And yet he left it. He said, you know, what? I don't even want it. Even though this is what I've been searching for, even though this is what I've been working for, even though this is what I've been struggling for and toiling for all night and all my life, and now this is, I don't even want it anymore. Like I'm completely like dead to this. Like this isn't something even that tempts me. This isn't even something I want to do. So when he said, I will make you fishers of men, they left it. They left their nets, they left their families, they left everything. Okay? And it was because of this spiritual blessing that they received, that they were not expecting to receive. All they expected, if even, to receive is maybe we're going to catch some fish. And that's it. And again, when we're asking God, when we're asking God, solve my problem, the thing we expect at best, if God answers my prayer, is that my problem is solved. But God is seeking to do much, much, much more than just to solve our problems. Much more. This is why he allows us to have these problems, not just so he can solve them, because he wants us to grow in faith and to receive from him something far greater than what we expect. The fourth part of the faith cycle is the physical blessing. 
Okay, in verse 6, And when they had done this, they brought a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. This is the physical blessing that they received. Okay, but this is almost like anticlimactic. The fact that they received this physical blessing really was a small aspect. Okay, because they didn't even want it anymore. They just left it. The fifth point was the long-term impact. The long-term impact. And it says in verse 11, So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Their lives completely transformed from this moment, from this miraculous catch of fish. They were never fishermen again. They were apostles. They were disciples. They were martyrs. They were persecuted. They were preachers. They were bishops. Everything about them changed from this point on. And not only, again, not only did it affect them in their personal lives, but it affected others. Actually, it affected the whole world. The entire world benefited from this moment. So, this is the faith cycle. Okay? This is the faith cycle. First, we have some kind of a problem that God allows. God allows it in my life, not simply so he could cancel it out by fixing it. If all he wanted was to fix the problem, he would have never allowed the problem. There is something about it that God is cooking and, and, and purifying and preparing and deepening us in it. So God allows it for a reason. And then we have to respond in order to move forward with the cycle. We have to respond with an act of faith. If I don't respond with an act of faith, then I'm going to be stuck in this thing for a really, really long time. Because God wants me to benefit from it. And I, in order to benefit from it, I have to move through this process. I have to move through the cycle. I have to go to the end of it. But if it's kind of like it being in one of those car washes that, you know, your car just kind of moves through it slowly. And if you put your car in, to park in the middle of the car wash, they won't be able to push your car anymore. And you're just going to be stuck there in the car wash. And you're never going to get out. We have to allow ourselves to move through this cycle. So that when a problem comes, we have to respond with an act of faith. Saying, I believe that God is, is behind this. I believe that God wants me to benefit somehow from this. And I have to respond faithfully so that I can what next receive the spiritual blessing from him. And I can receive the physical blessing from him. And I can be transformed and changed and my life transformed because of this process. So we have to remember this process. In every, in every situation, in every trial that we face, it is not just a random event. It is something that God wants to grow us in and that in order for us to truly have faith and to truly understand Him and to truly be children of God, we have to love Him even in the midst of trial because we believe that God is leading us in a good way. And glory be to God forever. Amen.